Welcome to the Misfit Messengers podcast, hosted by Jenny Moffitt and Amanda Hoshite. All right. So here we are, uh, episode whatever number it is, because I don't know where we're at in the, in the system. But uh, we're excited again today to have guests with us. Uh, we're kind of going through the, the list of folks that we know and say, hey, we would love to have these folks um, tell their stories, share with, with our listeners uh, their ministry uh, stuff that's happening in their lives. So we have a wonderful guest on today, uh, Major. She's a major in the Salvation Army. So that means she's been doing this a lot longer than I have, which is good because she's got some insights, I'm sure, that I don't have yet. Uh, Major Barb Owen and her husband, uh, Lieutenant Rob Owen. And so they're going to be on the podcast for us today. I will also just mention as a caveat, um, Amanda is joining us, but she is in the car with her husband. She is not driving, so she's joining us by being a passenger. But if she is a little less talkative today, it's because she's on the road. Um, but she wanted to make sure to be on yet today. So Barb, Rob, nice to have you on. Good, good morning. It's morning here, I guess. Good morning. morning. (laughs) So excited to to do this. Yeah, I'm excited to have you guys. I, you guys were one of the first ones we came to mind when we were thinking about who do we want to have as guests, Barb and Rob. So can you tell us a little bit about yourselves? Like, who are you? Where are you at? All of those things. Uh, I am um, a second generation officer. Uh, My mom and dad were first generations and um, were the only people in their families actually to be a part of the Salvation Army, um, which is really kind of cool. But uh, I have been an officer for almost 21 years um, with uh, 11 different appointments in those, those years, some as long as four years and some as long as six weeks. So, um, holy cow, that's a short yes. span. <laughs> yes. So, um, right now we're in Mount Clemens, Michigan, um, at a core center. Um, and we've been here about a year and a half. So, um, okay. Robert? Um, I wandered into the Salvation Army in February 2014 and shortly thereafter met Barb. And like one thing led to another and I ended up marrying my pastor (laughs) and uh, yeah, got the call to officership. I thought I'd be an envoy first, but then uh, I asked Barb out and and we went out on a date. I thought, well, maybe I could be like a real officer instead of Mm. just an envoy. There you go. And then Barb and I could date and here we are. so so you threw out a term there envoy um what what does that even mean what is an envoy it's like a paid minister in most other denominations okay Uh, hourly hourly? they're a salaried employee um so salvation army officers are self-employed um technically Mm -hmm. and an envoy Mm -hmm. is somebody who is an employee of the salvation army but they do a lot of the same ministries gotcha they do the same same roles and all that kind of stuff as an officer um as a pastor so yeah yeah well i i thought at first i could like keep my day job and then go to school on a side something like that and then become an envoy yeah Mm-hmm. But you know, since Barb and I started, Robin, <laughs> I love it. My my husband Brian and I, we were we just rent, rent, uh, wandered in off the street and were adopted too. 
we're like we're like lost puppies of the Salvation Army. <laughs> right, right. There you go. But so Rob and and ended up dating Barb. And so just for those of you who aren't familiar with the Salvation Army, when you are married as an officer, your spouse also needs to be an officer. And this is a, a really a practical thing, right? Mm-hmm. Because when officers get moved um, from one location to another co- location, it's just super logistically practical that their spouse is also an officer and also gets moved at the same time. So otherwise it would be challenging to navigate the move system if if one was an officer and one was not. So right. And- and, and for me, I had decided um, when I became a Salvation Army officer, when I became a pastor, that if I would ever, if God were ever to bring a husband to me, he had to be an, a Salvation Army officer too. Like it, because that's what I grew up with mm-hmm. and that's what I knew. And um, I wanted to have somebody who was going to be a partner in ministry mm-hmm. um, because I knew, I knew that God had equipped me to be a single officer if that's what he chose. Um, but if God sent somebody to me, he, he needed to be a Salvation Army officer. So yep. right away, um, that was one of the first conversations that we had um, really when we first started dating was that if he didn't feel the call to officership, then we would not be able to move forward in, yeah. in this relationship. That makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, I wanted, Go ahead. and I wanted to make sure that he had his own calling. Mm-hmm. That it wasn't that it wasn't a calling so that he could he could marry me. It had to be <laughs> right. It had to be a because I didn't want people to question mm-hmm. his motives. But he had to have his own calling because um, I think as an officer, as a pastor, you have to have that calling and that passion from God. Mm-hmm. I read an article before I wandered into the Salvation Army. I read an article in the War Cry about being all in, um, like, you know, giving God everything. Mm-hmm. And I realized I hadn't. So, uh-huh. so when I did make it to the Salvation Army, um, I was all in what, whatever that open door led to, I was going to be a hundred percent there. That's awesome. Cause I think, I think throughout, um, I think throughout Rob's life, um, anytime that he felt like he was all in, it seems like the devil really started to attack him mm. and things would start to really go awry mm-hmm. in, in, in his faith and in his walk and, and things like that. And um, I think that at that point, God had to speak to him about the fact that if he's going to do this, it has to be all in. Mm-hmm. Like it can't be one foot in this world and one foot in the church, you know, yep, in the yep, church. Yep, yep. It has to be all in. Nice. That's why I like wearing a uniform so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of separates me from everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. That Salvation Army uniform is definitely a, a outward symbol uh, for mm-hmm. the world. And, and yeah, Rob, you wore that uniform all the time. I loved it. It's great. But no, that's awesome. All right. Um, so I had, uh, so one of the things that we like to talk about with folks who are on is, you know, what are you reading or studying in scripture or teaching on, you know, what spiritually is kind of, where are you at? Where are you at spiritually? Right now we, um, we are 
we just started a um, study in Titus with the Bible study. Okay. Um, so it's, you know, it's a short little book, but there's a lot impacted into it. Um, Absolutely. Uh, because uh, I really feel like God is tell- talking to us about building the leadership in a, in a church. We have a lot of adults that come and we do have a lot of leaders that come for like youth night and um, vacation Bible school, those kind of things. Um, but we want their leadership to grow deeper mm. um, and to help disciple them into um, what God may have for them in the future. Um, so we're studying, we're studying about the characteristics of a good leader and um, things like that. So it's been kind of on our hearts to to go that direction. Um, good. Oh, oh. What do you study? Um, the way of holiness. By Steve Deneff. Okay. Um, I don't even know how to begin this story because it's too long. <laughs> but uh, Steve Neff is this guy. Cliff notes. Yeah, Cliff Notes. He's this guy who runs this church called Indiana Wesleyan Church at the Indiana Wesleyan University. Okay. And um, they were getting ready to build a new chapel. <sighs> it's a long story okay well it's not a long story they were going to build a new chapel and they were going to cut down a tree yeah. in order to do it and so my husband my husband protested yeah um almost to the point of chaining himself to the tree um so they would not sh- cut it down so um so when you talk of, and steve deneff was one of them that made that decision to cut the tree yeah. down yeah. so this is and now he writes books on holiness oh cool so anyway, uh, the, the tree got cut down. Uh, okay, but what are you studying? Um, the, the way of holiness. Okay. But the, but, the, but the reason being is it's coming full circle. Okay, so in 97 is when I discovered the tree. And then 2006 is when the, the church is going to cut it down. But um, I have the emails that went back and forth mm-hmm. from 2006. But the, but the but the the clincher of this is Steve Deneff is going to lead our officer councils. Ah, coming okay. Fall. And he's never met me before, but I've still got the emails to remind him of who I am. Gotcha. <laughs> so he knows of you from these emails, but he doesn't. He's yeah. never met you in person. Okay. Right. right. Gotcha. You know what's ironic, Barb, is that uh, I just read the book of Titus this morning. That okay. Was- like hmm. this is one of those, you know, and the way of holiness, I don't know Steve Deneff's uh, version of the way of holiness. There's another, um, uh, Bringle has a book that's in that similar vein that Helps I've read, but holiness. yeah, mm-hmm. holiness way or whole, I don't remember. He's got, he's got a series of books. Samuel Logan Bringle does, but and it was helps to holiness. Could be. I can't remember. Yeah. They're sitting on my bookshelf and I don't, I read them, but I don't always remember names of books. I tend to remember content of books. Right. Um, right. Um, so, yeah, but, so uh, it's been interesting to see um, how how throughout ministry at in Mount Clemens, how um, some of the things that uh, God has been speaking to us about, um, mm-hmm. how we can use that that uh, calling to um, do ministry here in Mount Clemens okay. and, and how that's going to impact the ministry that we have going on now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. And you, yeah. you said you've been in Mount Clemens a year and a half, right? Yes. So. Yep. 
feel like, you know, year in, you, you can finally maybe work, do some stuff that you couldn't do necessarily in your first year. Absolutely. Absolutely. You find out what goes on in the whole calendar. Yeah. Yes. Nope. Yeah. Okay. And you know what to expect going into the next calendar. <laughs> yeah. Right. And what can be adjusted. Absolutely. What you got, Amanda? So I was just thinking, so I just came off of what's known as an officer's council, which is where all of the different pastors get together for a couple of days to kind of just refocus vision. Um, and it was all about um, leadership and holiness. So that kind of ties, uh, <laughs> to, um, it all is all together, but saying we can program ourselves to death, mm -hmm. but if we do not have a foundation of holiness, it is worth nothing. And the yep. things that we're doing and the things that we are teaching and the, and the goals and the dreams that we have, if they are not founded out of an inner holiness, it's, it's just noise. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I agree. Um, I agree. And that comes, yeah. And that thing about that, that, like you said, um, when you were talking about Rob, it has to be in you before you can do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, and, and, and that's not something you can necessarily teach, right. but to find those sparks in people to say, I see it there. And that's what we talk about fanning the flame and those kind of things. And what we're going to teach and, and, and who are we finding, you know, Titus has a lot about who do you seek out to mentor, right. And mm -hmm. looking for those things and people to say, I see that spark. Let's cultivate it. Let's grow it. Let's bring it to something so that then you can go and multiply Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. And one of our one of our passions right now is um, we uh, we are going to be starting uh, an intentional discipleship uh, program, not program, a ministry mm -hmm. for our teens. We have we have a lot of preteens right now um, and they don't have they just don't have that solid foundation mm -hmm. um, that they that God wants them to have. Mm -hmm. And so we're using, we're using, um, a Zip study, ties, duct tape. No, we're using, <laughs> we're using this material called forged and, uh, really it starts out talking about what's the truth. Like mm -hmm. what is, what is the truth? How do we decipher what God's truth is and what the noise of the world is? Okay. Um, because, because the world has so much noise of what the, what the, um, what the truth is, mm -hmm. and we want our kids to know what that truth is, um, and to know who they can trust, and that they can they can trust what Scripture has to say to them. Mm -hmm. um, so really, you know, because we want to build them into, you know, future leaders, but we also want them to have a solid foundation so that as they get to be older teens, young adults, you know. Um, older adults, all of that, that span of life that they can, they have that foundation in Christ. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Well, the world bombards us with so much crud that if you don't have that foundation, yeah, you're, you're building your, your faith on, on sand. And then when mm -hmm. the storm does come, you'll be, it'll, it'll implode. So yeah. So right. important. So important. And I, and you know, the kids, our kids don't necessarily get that at home. So we want them to have a place where they can come and they can find that 
um, here and to know that it's not just a place where they can come and hang out, but it's going to be a place where people are going to invest in them mm. and spend that time. Um, we uh, we just put together a, uh, a room in our building where we've got a couple of TVs and some switches. Uh, so we have some video gaming going on. Um, nice. Kind of as a come play some games and we're going to teach you about Jesus. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, so just being able to do that and have have this foundation with our kids. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. That's awesome. Well, and, and then so as you're thinking about ministry and what's going on, you know, programmatically and things, what what is the kind of the best thing about ministry for you guys, whether that's now or in the past or, you know, what you hope to see, but what is like the thing that kind of gets you up in the morning and gets you going to like, Hey, this, cause this job can be difficult at times, right? Stressful, busy, but, uh, but obviously we have those things that get us up and get us going. So what is that for you guys? Well, you know, they, they say we're kind of a recovery core here. So we, we pick up a lot of people from Harbor Light. Okay. And there's just a lot of folks that come to the altar Sunday mornings at the altar call. They, they mm-hmm. come. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can see a noticeable difference, you know, in their, in their lives. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's neat. I mean, it, it can get kind of like you're beating your head against the wall. If, if, if you don't see anybody growing, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's, it's just nice to see that, mm-hmm. that growth. And it's been, for me, it's been interesting to see how, um, because we do, we do partner so much with the, uh, the Harbor Light, the addictions portion of it. Um, you know, I was at the Harbor Light for four years in Detroit, um, about a hundred years ago. Um, <laughs> But I, so what I learned then, I can now apply now. Um, so it's, God was preparing me back then for ministry in the future. Mm-hmm. But I think the exciting thing for me is the fact that it's not just about the, the people that we see, you know, um, coming through uh, addiction and coming through uh, the, those kind of, that kind of world, um, and seeing them change and seeing the possibility, but also ministering to their families. Um, you know, we, we do have people who kind of put us in this corner of being a recovery core. So, you know, you don't really need to focus on kids or, you know, spouses or, you know, extended families. Mm. Um, but because that's what we do, um, we can see the change in the families as well. Yeah. Um we have we have uh, somebody who's coming because her son went through uh, the Harbor Light system mm-hmm. and has made this her church home. And she, it's 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 wonderful to see that she comes because of what the Harbor Light has done and what God has done for her son. Mm-hmm. Um, but also to to see the recovery that's happening in her own mm-hmm. life, even mm-hmm. though she doesn't have any kind of addictions herself, but has gone through being the family member of somebody who's, who has addictions. Yeah. And so being able to see that change too um, is really exciting. Um, and just, 
the possibilities of the change that happens in people's lives. I think that's that's the thing that gets me out. That's awesome. Everybody's in recovery over something. Right? So, you know, there's we, we were all lost before we were found. True. You know, so recovering from something. Mm-hmm. I think that's a it's a very good way to look at it. Um, so we keep saying this Harbor Light thing last. Uh, so we have talked in the past about ARCs in the Salvation Army system, which is Adult Rehabilitation Center. Harbor Light is another uh, rehabilitation of sorts. But Barb, since you did work at one in Detroit, can you tell us a little bit how that is similar to an ARC or, or might be different than an ARC and how that works? Yeah, so I'll... Our Harbor Light in Macomb um, is, an, is a branch off of the Harbor Light in Detroit. So there's satellites from that uh, location. And um, so they, they can come in for treatment for 21 days. Um, they meet with a pastor. They meet with um, a therapist. They meet with um, you know a psychiatrist. They have uh, support groups that they're required to attend. Uh, so then they have uh, the 21 days to um, kind of get some tools for how to keep clean and sober. Okay. And then along with our Hub Light, we have a, it's a program called ASAM, which is kind of a transitional housing mm-hmm. uh, portion of it. So they can stay there up to like three to six months uh, to get additional support with addictions. Um, and so the way that we partner with them is... Um, you know, we, we pick them up for Sundays. Um, we pick them up for a restoration meeting on Mondays. We pick them up for Bible study so that uh, once they leave the Harbor Light, they have a connection with mm. the church and a connection with us to continue to give them that Christian foundation that they need. That's awesome. That's awesome. awesome. Mm-hmm. I didn't know the Harbor Light in Detroit had um, satellite uh, locations. That's awesome. Yeah, they have one in Monroe and Macomb. Okay. That's awesome. And yeah. Rob, I love how you said that everybody's recovering from something. Because whether yours is a, a drug or alcohol addiction or a sin addiction in some other facet, right? Like we all struggle with life and fill in the blank, man. Right, right. <laughs> And we, and with our restoration meeting on Monday night, that meeting is open to anybody who struggles with anything. Okay. Um, so for instance, I at times struggle with overeating. Um, and so that can become an addiction for me because I use, I can use food as a way to cope, Mm -hmm. you know? And so, um, and when we, we say in our restoration meeting, it's whatever ties you down to, um, not being who God wants you to be. Mm-hmm. So it can be whatever sin, um, you know, most of the people that come are either drugs or alcohol, but we have people who are addicted to a wide variety of different things. Yeah. Um, and, and we use the recovery Bible as part of a, a meeting. Mm-hmm. So they're getting scripture, they're getting the steps, um, but we're relaying back to the fact that you need to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that you need to allow him to do the work that needs to be done in order to be able to stay clean and sober. Absolutely. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 
Well, and I'm just thinking we're all in the recovery business. Well, God's in the recovery business, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but there isn't any any anything too big for him. You know, sometimes I think about um, the early days of our Salvation Army, and what did they have but hands and hearts willing to serve? They had nothing else. And they went in to where people, I mean, it, East End of London was a hard living. Things that we, in our modern sensibilities, would be shocked to see happening. And they just said, I don't know what to do, Lord. But we said, sir, assuming that you do, we're just going to be here to help. And I think sometimes we've over-modernized that kind of thing. Um, but, uh, Rob, you're totally right. Everybody has something. Mm-hmm. But God is the God that can free from everything. Mm-hmm. If we're willing to, to give that over to him and just being willing to, like you said, take, take people under your wing and, and teach them that truth. Because gosh darn it, I was thinking, if I'm responsible for my own truth, that's a scary thought for everyone involved. Because <laughs> I'm not that smart. <laughs> um, but God, but God is so good, and He's such a big, big thinker that we um, we can trust Him, mm-hmm. and that if that He is in the in the in the process of restoration for mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. Definitely. It's part of a, part of a meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a section of the restoration meeting called the surrender the coin. And um, if there's anything that you're struggling with, if there's anything that, that is, is um, keeping you from completely surrendering, uh, whatever, uh, you can come up and get a coin, you get a hug, and people clap for you because it's this public declaration of the fact that there's something that I have to surrender and I need for people to know that I'm I'm struggling and that I'm surrendering. And they don't have to name what that surrender is. You know, that's between them and God. Mm-hmm. And but because He's in the business of restoring people, um, it's not just a one and done thing. You know, it's a continuous working of the Holy Spirit in your life, um, helping to identify those things that need to be rooted out, that need to be surrendered. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we can. Brian, good. Yeah. Brian and I always have a saying that we'd rather hang out with honest sinners than fake saints. Mm-hmm. Honest sinners than fake saints. I like that. Yep. Yeah, because you want to be honest about your faith. You want to be honest about what what you're going through. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to scream it from the rooftops, you know, what you're, what you're struggling with. But to be honest and just say, look, this is an area of my life that I know that I'm struggling in and I need to get help with it, or I need to, you know, I need God to be working, working in a life, in my life to, to be able to just completely be freed of that. Mm-hmm. Um, those, those fake saints can fool other people. Some of them are really good at it, but they're not fooling God. Absolutely. Right. Most definitely. And we'll pause right there for a cliffhanger for this week. We'll conclude part two of the conversation with Barb and Rob next week. So in in the meantime, same bat time, same bat channel next week on Friday. So let's leave with God blesses us. Why? So we can be a blessing to others. You guys have a great week.